Hello, everyone. My name is Jeremy Altman, and you're listening to Mind the Gap, a podcast segment where I interview current medical students to share their experiences with unique gap years or going through very non-traditional paths into a career in medicine. It's a pleasure to introduce my next guest of the show, Finley Pilcher. Finley, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jeremy. (laughs) Happy to be here. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad. Well, I guess uh, we'll just start off. Um, I'll just have you introduce yourself. So just um, I'll have you tell us where you're from, where you went to college, what you studied. uh, And yeah, that's pretty much it. I'll have you start with that. Okay. Uh, My name is Finley Pilcher. I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area. I went to college at University of California, Davis, where I studied uh, civil and environmental engineering. So Finley, um, just to kind of give us a quick summary, what were you doing before you started medical school? So after I got my BS in civil engineering, I went on to get a master's in structural and foundation engineering. And then I worked for four years at a company in the Bay Area called NGO, which um, stood for engineers and geologists. And I worked there as um, a staff geotechnical engineer. And so my job was Um, designing foundations, testing soil, and kind of preventing against the disastrous effects of earthquakes. Very cool. Very cool. So how how long did you do that for? I did that for four years. Wow. Wow. So then, you know, you're in medical school now, so something something must have happened to kind of give you a change of heart. So I guess my my next question for you is what, what kind of made you transition into a career in medicine? Yeah, so I I went into engineering thinking that I was really going to be helping people with that job. I thought that I was really going to be preventing people from the disastrous effects of earthquakes, buildings falling down, people getting hurt, people dying. And I had this sort of glamorous view of what engineering was. And as I got more and more into the career, I kind of started realizing that what engineering For me, it was working for the man and um, gentrifying neighborhoods and bulldozing hillsides um, to make these sort of cookie cutter subdivisions. And um, it just didn't feel good to me. And I also wasn't really feeling like I was connecting with my community at all. I I felt like um, not only was I not helping, I was sort of hurting and I wasn't even really like interacting with the community that in in any sort of meaningful way and I found myself sort of longing for a career where I was able to to help my community and to interact with my community and like work directly with people and so that's what drew me to medicine. Did you did you have any sort of uh, friends or family that were involved in medicine that kind of led you towards this path? Yeah I um I had several sort of distant relatives, um, like my dad's uncles, who were surgeons growing up. And there, there were many doctors in my family, again, sort of no one who I grew up with directly, but sort of with my same last name, um, who, who were um, very, very into medicine and very supportive of that career path growing up. But I never wanted it. I, I think if I'm being honest, the reason I never even thought about it was I was very squeamish with blood, and <laughs> I, I, so I just never even gave it a consideration. Um, but I, I did certainly have a lot of um, 
people that I was able to reach out to when I made that decision and kind of ask what it would look like to go to med school and what it would look like to have a career as a physician. Sure. So th- did you do any sort of like shadowing or, or volunteering before kind of saying, okay, yeah, I definitely want to do this? Yeah, I never shadowed. I wish that I had opportunities to do that. Um, I really didn't. And I volunteered at um, an abortion clinic after I left my job as an engineer for a year while I was going back to uh, community college to take organic chemistry and prerequisites like that. And that was a really powerful experience. Right. So I, I imagine that being in STEM in college kind of made it a little bit easier to kind of fill out those prereqs. Or are they different courses entirely? I think it was easy and not easy. One of the challenges that I ran into was that on my application, it had been over 10 years since I had taken most of those classes, which is why I think I had to retake Gen Chem as well because all of my a lot of my stuff had expired. Um, okay. And but but many of the requirements stuck. The the other big problem was I actively avoided biology when I was. Um, doing my engineering prerequisites because I, at the time, I really didn't like the, that I felt that a lot of math and physics had more definitive answers. And that thing that I didn't like about biology then, which was that like, there was a lot more gray area. Now I love that. But at the time I really wanted there to be one right answer and, you know, one, many wrong answers, but I liked the one right answer thing about, about it back then. Gotcha. Um, and, it, and you were telling me before, but uh, you know, what, what was this process like from transitioning to applying to medical school? The hardest part uh, about it was really losing my identity as an engineer. That was a real core part of who I was, and I was very proud of that, particularly being a woman in engineering. That was um, less common, particularly in, in geotech. It was less common to, you know, be working in construction and all that stuff. And so that part was really hard personally, just giving up that aspect of my identity and also going from a professional to now a novice. I was at community college in my late 20s and sort of my new peers were people who were just figuring out their lives independently for the first time. And so that part was was definitely challenging to navigate and feeling like I'm a professional and, you know, like it didn't feel like it a lot of the time. It really felt like starting over and that was that was tough Uh, I think that the the process itself also took me longer than I expected you know as soon as I quit my job um, I was I sort of was thinking I'm gonna apply this year you know I'm gonna take the MCAT this summer and I'm gonna apply this year and I didn't apply (laughs) until like three years later Um, so it definitely was more arduous uh, than I anticipated yeah it always takes us by surprise I remember I was trying to go right into medical school from graduation and I was like yeah I'll just I'll just take the MCAT and then I started studying for it and I was like I'm gonna take a I'm gonna take a year to do that and then I took it again <laughs> so another year uh, any any other obstacles when like just through the process of applying to medical school I think an obstacle for me was um, feeling as a non-traditional applicant like I wasn't able to match up to traditional applicants. I didn't have any research. I didn't have any clinical experience. All I kind of had was this previous career, which was in many ways sort of irrelevant. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and, and of course, I know now that it was relevant because it gave me all these other less measurable skills. But at the time, I felt really sort of 
inadequate compared to the 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 usual applicant who has all these accolades and and medicine specific achievements and so that was another obstacle for me is feeling like I had to fit into a mold that I did not fit into okay well you mentioned something before that was a perfect segue into my next question but you're a third year medical student now uh, we're almost fourth years in a way um, so you've gotten through preclinicals you're in the wards now what what sort of things uh, from what sort of skills or lessons from your previous previous experiences kind of helped you along in your medical journey in in either like regardless of, of when uh, the number one is how to deal with imposter syndrome because I as an engineer felt and was told the whole time that I was that I wasn't shouldn't be there uh, I was pretty young I I started that career when I was 23, I think. Um, and I also looked really young. And so I think a lot of the time people underestimated me or told me that like I needed more training to be where I was. And I, I believed it. Um, and I kind of went the whole career thinking that I wasn't, I had tricked people into letting me have that job and like that I didn't deserve it. and that I was there by some happenstance, circumstance, I don't know. I, I just did never really believe that I deserved to be there. And and so when I started this career, I was really determined to not feel that way um, because it's not good for me and it's not good for my patients if I don't feel like I should be there. Um, and so I, I put a lot of work into to validating for myself that I have worked hard enough to be here and I, I took an extra year to apply because I really wanted to feel like I deserve to be here and that my application was reflective of the student that I would become and the position that I would ultimately become and so I think that was that was sort of the most important change I made but in terms of skills that I brought with me I think that coming from that environment that by all accounts was tough and gritty uh, sort of taught me how to to speak up and speak out and how to you know be a leader and be a team member and you know like just navigate the sort of challenging dynamics of multi-dimensional teams for sure like I was right. on a lot of construction teams with different engineers and different construction foremen and laborers and all that stuff and and we each played really different roles and you know had to represent really different interests of different clients and so navigating that i think has helped me you know work through the challenges of me medicine and medical school and you know being on different kinds of teams in different situations i think right well that's that's wonderful um so you know you were talking about kind of experiencing the feelings of imposter syndrome in your engineering background mm -hmm. Um, for me, my first exposure to it was starting med school because, you know, we're, we're in a class of 124 kids and everyone is just so impressive in their own unique way. And, you know, everyone's kind of susceptible to feeling like they don't really deserve to be there. Um, do you feel like you handled it well the second time in the, the second wave of imposter syndrome? It's interesting because I felt that 
I handled it in a different way. So I, I kind of like just transferred it into a different feeling of imposter syndrome. But I certainly felt like the work that I had done to convince myself that I was worthy of being at medical school paid off. And I felt I did. I felt when, when we started medical school, I felt like I really deserve to be here. This is really hard and everybody else is really smart, but I am smart too. And I was able to convince myself of that. But the way it came up for me was, um, I mentioned earlier that I was squeamish around blood growing up. And I, there, we had one instance in anatomy where I felt like I was going to pass out. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I was so self-conscious of that. And I felt like, does this mean that I'm not going to be able to be a doctor? Because everybody else is handling it fine and I'm not. And... I haven't had an issue since, but definitely that was that thought and then the fear of will that happen when I'm on surgery was my version of imposter syndrome because I kept feeling like I'm gonna get found out as the fainter and then they're gonna this is all gonna go away. Right. Yeah, I definitely felt that way when I was first walking into the uh, the anatomy lab because it was just this assault of <laughs> smells and stimuli that was just very foreign to me. Totally. So you're not the only one. You're not the only one. But I'll tell you, it gets better because I, for those listening, I surgery was so much better for me. I don't know if, if you had that same experience. Me as well. Yeah, yeah. I think the looking at cadavers is a very different sort of situation. Um, and for me, I, I I think looking at it in an educational lens makes it more mechanical in a way, and that's kind of what helped me get through it. Um, I think I think the other thing that helped me. And sorry to interrupt. Um, the other thing that helped me was like the normalization of of medical students fainting. You know, like a lot of people saying, like, "Oh yeah, lots of people have fainted and gone on to have completely normal careers." And like a lot of people have trouble with this at first, and it you you know you get used to it, and you know it becomes easier over time. And and like I think also talking about it, like I really felt like I was alone in that in that fear and that feeling that. Like maybe I'm not going to be able to handle all this stuff, and maybe, you know, maybe I'm not going to be able to see blood, and maybe, you know, and and of course I can now, and of course I've overcome that, but I didn't know it was so common. You know, as as the more I've talked about it, the more other people have said, oh yeah, I was terrified I was going to faint, or you know, like I felt woozy a couple of times, and I think that kind of stuff is always really helpful for people unsure if they can handle it. Right, right, yeah, I've I've found I, I found it to be therapeutic to like just rant to my roommates because I lived with uh, a couple other M1s and I remember after my first uh, cadaver lab I was like oh my god that was a lot Mm -hmm. and it was it was funny because the other roommates were like yeah that was kind of a lot and then you know with with other things everyone kind of shares tips and I think it's nice to be open about it because you find out that some people have their own concerns or maybe similar concerns that you could kind of bond over um 100% yeah uh are you experiencing any obstacles in medical school now that you didn't or anything that surprised you that you didn't anticipate going into medical school Mm, my primary obstacle is uh personally my um my husband lives in another state and I find it very hard to find eight hours to spare to drive there and back and not feeling guilty that I'm not studying during that time. And, you know, I can listen to podcasts, um, but it's, I don't know. I think that, 
and I guess my overarching answer then is like guilt when I'm not studying. Um, that part's really different from having a career because on a career, in some careers, I guess, not all, you clock out and you clock in. And when you're off, you're really off. And in coming back to school, I feel like I'm never off. I'm just kind of temporarily off. And it's always there in the back of my mind. Um, and so I think that part's really different for me. Right, right. We definitely, I mean, maybe not to the same degree as you, but I've definitely had those moments where I'm sitting down watching TV and I'm like, I could be doing some more flashcards and I'm not doing it. Totally. Uh, and it's just this this cyclical, uh, like all the time, I'm just worried about not doing as much as I should. Um, is there anything that you've been doing so far to, to kind of deal with that? Or like anything, any certain successes that you found with with compromises that you've made or or are you just kind of biting the bullet and, <laughs> and just getting through med school? Uh, I would say the postpone button on Anki is, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> is my saving grace for, for that. Um, and that's kind of my, my forgiveness to myself. If you've had a long day, you don't have to do the, you know, the backlog of flashcards. Um, but aside from that, I think I'm just kind of just coping as well as I can and trying to reassure myself that, you know, wellness is as supportive as studying for success. And that, you know, that works sometimes. <laughs> right. I, I'm aware that there are some other students in our class or at least around the school that are also kind of in a similar situation where they're married and trying to balance that. Um, do you do you socialize with them or like share those concerns with, with your classmates? I think so. I mean, I think that that there's really no winning, right? Because if you're married, it's like really hard to give your partner the time that they deserve and still feel like you're achieving the levels of excellence that you want to. And if you're not, or you know, if you don't have a partner, it can be really hard to get the social support that you need to be able to undertake something like four years of medical school. And so I, I don't know, I won't, I, I don't think I will say that it's harder for me or for anyone than anybody else. I think it's just hard for all of us to try to figure out that balance and support the people we love and also, you know, be supported. I think, I think it's just like all of it's hard. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, switching gears a little bit. What are some things that you're enjoying about medical school? I really am enjoying third year. I I am having a good time seeing the stuff that we spent so much time in classroom. I'm, I'm enjoying seeing that pay off and see that be relevant to people's lives. Uh, I, I think it's a real honor the kind of conversations we get to have with people are, are really special to me and I really appreciate the vulnerability with which people talk to us as medical students and the trust that they give us. I think that's, um, that's really, really special. Um, and yeah, so I, I am enjoying third year a lot. I, I love clinical medicine. I love seeing patients and solving problems. And I, I just, I'm enjoying third year quite a bit. Well, I'm, I'm really happy to hear that. Um, and I've, I've been sort of experiencing those same special moments where you have like a really good, uh, you know, patient medical student relationship 
uh, and it's it's really it's it's really wonderful to have those feelings of having an immediate impact on someone. It's you know I remember like during the first year and a half when we were doing all the preclinical stuff, I was like I just want to see patients and I want to help people. I just feel like I'm learning about how to help people and not actually doing it. And I was just ecstatic to finally be, you know, working with patients in the hospital, rounding on them, you know, waking up at 5 a.m. I'm like, all right, time to check up on this patient that I've been following uh, and being excited or, or maybe even concerned about how they're doing the next day. Um, so it is a really powerful privilege to have even as, you know, rising physicians. Um, and I remember we were talking about this before, but do you do you have an idea of what you want to do for a medical specialty? Yeah, I am pretty convinced that I am going to pursue internal medicine, and I'm particularly interested in infectious disease. Nice. So what, what kind of led you to that decision? Yeah, um, I had a relative um, that was close to me uh, who had HIV, and... Um, his spouse also had HIV, so I sort of, and growing up in the San Francisco Bay Area, that was sort of the backdrop to my life, okay. um, is knowing about that and, you know, understanding how that affects someone. And um, I, as I have started medical school, I didn't come into medical school thinking ID, I, I didn't know, but as I've come into medical school, I've found so many other things to appreciate about that career. Um, one is it allows me to work with populations that I would really like to serve. I, I um, am really drawn to marginalized populations like people who inject drugs or uh, the LGBTQ plus population or new Americans. And um, I think that a lot of, we sort of learn infectious diseases in medical school as if they affect everyone. But in reality, sort of marginalized communities and stigmatized communities are more affected by them and I'm just really interested in the the sort of stigma of the way that infectious disease interacts with society and the stigma that that causes I think it's all very interesting and of course I love the medicine too it's it's a lot of problem solving which is what I loved about engineering is it was very much a problem solving career and I feel that way too with ID okay so with um, you know you had mentioned a lot of like infectious disease within marginalized groups, particularly HIV, AIDS. Um, is there like a, a sub-specialty within infectious disease that focuses on those types of uh, issues and like kind of has like a public health blend to it? Yeah, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I think I would probably just focus on HIV medicine. Um, okay. I, I'm very, very drawn to, to that in both in terms of the medicine and, and my experience with the kinds of patients you get to meet and hear their stories. I, I really love hearing patients' stories and um, I just, I've, I've had a great time doing HIV medicine so far and I think I'm really drawn to that particularly. But I, I also really like public health and can see myself having some element of that in my career as well. That's great, that's great, good for you. Thank you. Um, just a couple more questions for you. Uh, the first one is a two-parter. Great. But you started as an engineer. You went. You jumped through the hoops to apply to medical school. You're in medical school. Years have passed. What are some things that that you're thankful for about your gap years and having your prior career? And then the second part is, 
what do you think you would have changed if you could? I think that one thing that I'm really thankful for is that career taught me how to exist in a professional sphere and that means a lot of things to me it means sort of advocating for myself asking for help um, kind of asking for feedback I think that that's was a pretty natural transition for me coming from a professional career um, networking was a huge part of that career so I think that I got I got some some really transferable skills and I, I also kind of got the opportunity to try on at least one different hat before deciding and and so when I was in that career and I was like kind of miserable figuring out what I wanted to do I was able to sort of really identify a lot of things that I didn't want in a career and one of the biggest ones was I don't want a career where I'm not I'm not passionate about it. And so I was really looking and hoping that this would be the career where I was able to find that passion. And it really was. Um, I always tell this story where when I was an engineer, there, my coworkers who started their job at the same time as me would always be like coming to work on the weekends and staying late and doing all this extra stuff. And I was kind of like, why can't I do that? Like, is it just not in my DNA to be that way? And it turns out that it's not about my DNA, that I was just in the wrong career because now I want to do that all the time. Now I want to go the extra mile for my patients, my projects, and it just like totally transformed who I have been. And I was really, that, that's what I've been the most thankful for is, is realizing that it, I wasn't the problem, the career was the problem. And sometimes you can get confused when a career is not going well and you can feel like it's because you're not doing enough. But it really, for me, was that it was just the wrong career. So that's what I'm most thankful for. And what was the other question? What, what do you think you would have changed? Mm, what would I have changed? Good question. I'm, I'm not a big regret person. Um, and I'm also not a big everything happens for a reason, but I am a big things happen and we choose how to respond to them. And I don't think I would change anything. I think everything that happened in my life, I responded to it in a certain way that taught me about who I am and who I want to be. And I think it was like a good growth experience to start over and really decide the person and the physician that I want to be. And I. I the way I did it allowed me to be very intentional about that. So I don't think I would change anything. That's great. That's great. I, I love the, the hybrid of not everything happens for a reason and not regretting. Just it is what it is. And you just do what you can. That's a, that's a good philosophy. Um, <laughs> Thanks. So I'll, one final question for you. Okay. What advice would you give for, for students who are thinking about switching careers or just unsure about pursuing medicine. Uh, you said so many wise insights mm -hmm. and perspectives, and I'm trying to wring out the towel with you, <laughs> but anything else that, that you could share with, with young aspiring physicians? I would say that uh, a really good piece of advice that I got is embarking on this journey can feel like 
really overwhelming because it's so much time. It's a lot of time to apply to med school. Med school is four years, residency is however many years. And it and even when you're in college or you're in, you know, if you're in a gap year, it can feel like that is way too much to even think about and it's so overwhelming and I don't know if I can commit. And my advice would be everything you're doing now is part of that path. You don't start the path the second you go to med school. You don't start the path the second you go to residency and you don't start that path when you become a physician. You're on the path now and everything you're doing now if you decide to take this path is affecting the physician that you will become and you're doing it. You're already doing it. Everything you're doing now is part of that journey and it's not my life starts when med school starts. It's it's now. Now is deciding who you will be and approach that with intention, with thought and with care and with joy when you can. I love it. I, I, you'll probably be the most likely person in our class to have a TED talk at some point. So <laughs> I look forward to that very much. <laughs> um, thank you. Well, Finley, thank you so much for coming in to, to talk with me. Uh, you, you said so many wonderful things about just the, the journey of going into medicine. Uh, but I'll give you the floor as we end. If you have anyone to shout out, uh, anything, anything at all, you're, social media, anything like that? Uh, I would like to shout out uh, the ID department at UVM because I think they've (laughs) been great teachers to us. And you told me that another student that you interviewed was also interested in ID. And I think it speaks a lot to their teaching that, that they've attracted so many students into the field. And so shout out to them and shout out to my husband, Jesse. All right, well, well, that's a wrap. Finley, thank you again for coming in. Thank you, Jeremy.